Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, where we're balancing life through health, wealth, business, and relationships. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. My name is Colton Cockrell and with me I have my co-host who's always on my right or I guess left depending on what screen you're in day by day. Uh, Trisha Stetzel, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, actually Colton, I'm above you in the Brady Bunch squares today, just so that you know. (laughs) Hey everyone, welcome to the show. So glad to have you listening with us. Just as a reminder, this month on the show, we are hyper-focused on financial wellness. So today we're going to be talking about loan originating. And who better to come and talk with us about home financing than Trey Garcia with Union Home Mortgage. Trey, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for uh, having me on the show. Hopefully I can provide some insight. Oh, I think you will. Uh, So before we jump in though, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor of this show, Trey, you're very familiar with them. And that is Sharon McKinley Group, LLC. Mm -hmm. Great company. Let's go ahead and jump in. So Trey's on the show because uh, not only has he been doing this forever, you know, writing loans, but he's also uh, has a master's in mathematics. So Trey, let me start with this. I, whenever people are actually applying for a loan, you usually hear two different types. I know there's more, but the main two are FHA and conventional. Can you kind of briefly explain the difference between the two? Sure. Um, on a conventional mortgage, people have the misconception that this is not for first-time homebuyers. Uh, typically, you associate FHA loans with first-time homebuyers. Um, anybody can get a conventional mortgage. It just has a little bit higher requirement for a FICO or credit score versus an FHA will allot for a little bit lower credit score while having a higher debt to income ratio. Um, There are advantages and disadvantages to both programs. Typically an FHA is gonna have a lower interest rate than a conventional mortgage, um, but a conventional mortgage with a higher FICO customer will have an overall lower payment despite the higher interest rate on the loan. Um, Not to bore everybody. And I want to stop you right there because I think that's so important because a lot of people, they focus on, well, I just got to get the lowest interest rate mm-hmm. and put the least amount down. But what you just said right there, FHA, just because you have a lower interest rate doesn't mean you're actually having a lower monthly payment. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming you're about to go into PMI and mortgage insurance. That is correct. So on an FHA loan, it is flat across the board, not flat as in a dollar amount, but flat as in a percentage for everybody, regardless of your credit score. And that is 0.85% times your loan amount. Unless of course you put 5% down, it drops to 0.8% versus a conventional, conventional, it's private mortgage insurance, meaning it's held through a private company. It could be Essent, uh, Genworth, Radian, any number of companies. And that is solely based off of credit score and DTI. Yeah, and that's, I think that's interesting because a lot of people, whenever they think of, oh, you know, PMI, mortgage insurance, okay, once I hit 20%, I'm done. So can you squash the myth? If you have an FHA loan, does your mortgage insurance stop after 20% debt to equity in the house? So that's a trick question, of course, like always with mortgages, but uh, it does come off after, this is important, not a dollar amount, but 11 years on an FHA mortgage, but only if you put 10% down on the home. Otherwise, conventional, yes. Once you hit that 20% equity portion, you can petition for it to be removed. It will get removed automatically. I believe it's at 22%, so technically 78% LTV if you don't ever send a note into your mortgage company once you've reached that point. Um, It's just, 
it, it's kind of tough because 11 years is a long time to have mortgage insurance, even if you have 10% down on a home. And the other thing is you're not getting true equity on an FHA mortgage because there is a financed portion of your mortgage insurance, which is 1.75% uh, that gets tacked on. So brief example, if you put one, if you put three and a half percent down on an FHA, you're actually only getting 1.75% equity in the property at the time of purchase because the rest of that is financed. Dang, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting here listening to you guys talk all these numbers and <laughs> it's so interesting. <laughs> anyway, Trey, I'm so glad that you're on the show because, you know, there are so many people in your industry that don't really know or can explain the nuts and bolts behind it, right. To a lay person. And, and I appreciate the way that you're um, the, the way that you're able to do that. I am sure this question comes up all the time right now. What do the interest rates look like? It's the spring of 2020, by the way, for our listeners. And where are they headed? 22. Yeah. Well, so the best thing I can tell you is right now they're heading upwards. And if you want to get a good indication of where those rates are going to go, I would recommend looking at the 10-year treasury yield on the bond market. Uh, just pull up Yahoo Finance, pull up that little graph, and you'll be able to see where rates were and where they're heading. Uh, right now, there's a slight dip in basis points. Um, I do imagine that's going to turn back around and go right back up to where it was. Currently, it's tough to say an exact rate because, again, with all of the different factors that go into an interest rate, credit score, and all the other kind of stuff, um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw rates between 4 and 5% uh, come in the spring and then maybe a little bit higher than that come later in the year. Yeah. And now I want to, and I don't want to, I'm going to try so hard for the people who aren't like huge into numbers, like Trey and I are, um, just like numbers. <laughs> but I, I want you to explain, you and I were, we, we kind of, you were, we were talking about a strategy about paying your house off quickly. Mm -hmm. You might have a, a slightly higher interest rate. However, just making, instead of putting a larger down payment down, you can actually save a bunch of time on the back end and a bunch of interest payments. Can you go into more detail what that looks like? Sure. Um, so a prime example is somebody, first, there's always a misconception, conventional loan, I got to have 20% down. Uh, that's not the case. Bare minimum on first-time home buyers, 3%. And then 5% is pretty industry standard on that purchase of a primary residence. Uh, but let's say I did have my 20%. And let's use the scenario of a $200,000 purchase. Um, and I had 20% to put down, but I qualified with putting just 5% of that. You can actually save, I think when we did our numbers, it was about eight years on the mortgage by just putting 5% down and applying the extra 15% direct towards principal over the first couple years. The amount of interest you saved or would save in that scenario that we did, I believe was... 70 plus thousand dollars of with, interest with such a large amount and, and explain why that is because i think a lot of i mean a lot of people people who've probably bought a house don't understand that it's not a level interest rate mm -hmm. so can you explain that sure I interest on a mortgage is going to be front loaded meaning like as i make my payments for the first year majority of my principal and interest payment is going towards interest however if i make an extra payment i skip down on my amortization schedule so Basically, your amortization schedule you should get from your mortgage company. Your loan officer should be able to provide it to you. 
And what you're going to do is you're going to take however much you plan on putting um, and subtract it from the principal balance. And you'll see that you skip a number of lines and you go to line, you know, from one to 10. Well, the nine lines in between or eight lines in between is all interest that I've skipped. That's money that I never pay to the mortgage company or to the loan servicer or anything like that. It's just, if I make an investment of $8,000, but I skipped $24,000 of interest, then I've, you know, essentially I've made money on my money by doing that. Yeah. Um, and breaking it down, like you said, you, you have 360 mortgage payments, mm-hmm. right? 30 years multiplied by 12, mm-hmm. right? And so you have beginning, starting off, you're going to have a heavier, like 70, 80% interest, 20% yep. principal. So you're saying in just a scenario, hey, I have a $2,000 um, monthly payment. Let's say 16% of that's going, or 16,000 is going to interest, only 400 is going to principal. You're saying yep. if you put an extra, you know, four thousand down. You just jumped ten payments, so you actually almost paid it off. Paid, skipped a year of payments. Mm-hmm. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, it's pretty close to that. I mean, in in that scenario where you cut off eight years of your mortgage, uh, that's pretty significant. With just in the first year, now now I'm down to twenty two years remaining. Versus if I put the twenty percent down, the bad thing is, is I'm still I'm still at a thirty year mortgage. I didn't cut any time off. Now my payment is lower, so there are other factors to consider, like is monthly payment more important or is it more important that I save money in the long run? Mm-hmm. To me, I like people to have money in reserves. I would prefer that people keep their money wherever it best suits them, which is usually not with a bank, uh, usually not with a mortgage company. Uh, you'd like to get rid of that note as, as quickly as possible. And also have some spare cash in case you know incidences do occur where you need that money. Because if I just spent all my savings 20% down on a house, and I get in and the you know, hot water heater starts leaking, and now I've got to come out five grand for a repair. Now I've got to go and jump in and get a loan or something else versus 5%. And now I've got my money for the repair in case I need it. Yeah, or you already have a nice savings built up and you want to invest yeah. the money in Colton Cockrell with Sharon McKinley. I mean, there's so many Abs- Absolutely. That's <laughs> absolutely. I think that's a great option. Who did you say our sponsor was today, Colton? Oh, uh, um, I, I don't yeah. remember. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, so, Trey, I'm really curious, you know, with the housing industry, the way that it's been over the last many months where people are paying above asking. Mm-hmm. And so, in some cases, way above asking, mm-hmm. they're really dipping into that pile of cash, right? That they would like to put away to pay for mm-hmm. the house. What are you seeing on your side? Like, what is that? How is that changing the way mortgages are happening? So what we're seeing happen, obviously, is people paying over list price and typically over appraised value. I won't say typically, but normally the appraisers adjust based off of the market, but not always. In some cases, people are, you know, biting the bullet and paying over whatever that appraised value was in case of a low value. Unfortunately, I don't know that home prices are going to come back down. It looks like anytime soon because we've almost got to this point in the market. And now with homes having sold at that value, it's hard to make a downturn because now that's the new norm, right? Where a home was 200,000, now it's 300,000 and the neighborhood supports a $300,000 sale. There may be some pushback on, if interest rates continue to rise, there may be some pushback on the, from the buyers on getting those values back down, but we may not see a sharp decline. Like I believe it was about two years ago, all of a sudden houses 
went through the roof. I mean, everybody's value went up because people were sitting at home due to COVID and they're like, I would love a pool. I would love, you know, a bigger house. I found out I can make more money, you know? Yeah, no, completely. And I mean, the interest rates going up, it sounds like, I mean, logically, I would think that that would kind of help reduce prices Mm -hmm. for housing. But at the same time, I mean, if there's still such a high demand for people wanting to buy houses, Mm. you're going to still see prices until demand kind of levels out. People are like, okay, I don't want to pay this for, for a, you know, a three bedroom, two bathroom. I mean, it's still sky's the limit and it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. Um, So let me, let me ask you this. Uh, I I think a lot of people, they get caught up, uh, especially if they're buying a new house or something like that. Mm. I mean, anybody, whenever you're buying a house, can you explain what premium pricing is? Because I think people don't think that they can actually get all their closing costs covered by the mortgage company at the expense of a higher interest rate. Sure. Um, so a lot of people, typically what you hear, if, if somebody says, I've financed my closing costs, it could mean a couple of things. Uh, either one, they refinanced, in which case they truly lumped it into a loan amount, or two, well, I guess there's three. So two, they would have got premium pricing, meaning they took a slightly higher interest rate to get a credit back on the loan, or the sales price was increased slightly in order for the seller to give an additional credit. So you have those few scenarios. The premium pricing isn't a bad option uh, for some folks. If you're short on cash and you need it to help with closing costs, maybe you take a rate of, so let's say that your interest rate was four and a half percent. And instead you took a rate of 5%. Um, you still qualify for the mortgage. Everything else still remains the same, but you get a point in credit. Now a point is not the same as an interest rate. It just, it's a basis point on a loan, which is 1% of your loan amount. So in the case of a $200,000 home, you're going to get $2,000 towards closing cost due to that rate increase. It works as long as you're going to stay in the house um, within a set time period, because at some point that increase in the interest rate is going to cost you more than the credit that you got. And that's where I think there's a little bit deterrent to premium pricing. Mm -hmm. But if you know you're going to stay in the house, and again, you would talk with this about your wonderful financial advisor, you would consult them on this sort of thing. Um, you want to make sure that that is financially responsible and financially, you know, works for you. Because if I know my plan is I'm staying in the house for seven years and I've got $2,000 and the difference in my payment was $25 a month, then yeah, I'm probably going to take that that credit because I'm not going to see that 7000 or I'm not going to see that extra cost because I'm selling the home in seven years. So really, right. if you ever find somebody that says, hey, if you use my loan officer or my lo- company... You know, you'll get, we'll give you X percent towards, you know, closing costs, which in reality is yeah. like, hey, premium pricing, you know, wink, wink. So <laughs> hey, you're getting to 3%, even though someone can do better. So this, right. this is why I think it's so important to talk to a loan officer because a good one, because there's so many options that you probably don't know are available mm-hmm. until you really sit down and you talk about them. Um, so in, in closing today, Trey, thank you so much for coming out. Um, and I just want all of our guests to know, even though Trey did not give his information out, it is going to be on Facebook. It's going to be in the show notes, um, wherever you're listening to the podcast. So he will have all that out there if you have any questions. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week for another exciting episode of Bridge of the Gap. We'll be focused on financial independence for the month. And we're going to be talking to a special guest. So make sure you tune in then. Thanks. 
Thanks again for tuning into this week's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with the most important people in your life. Colton Cocker with Sherman McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive, Suite 207 Friendswood, Texas 77546, phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through Next Financial Group, Inc. Member Fin Recipient. Sherman McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.